All right. So welcome to the second episode of Trap House Tabernacle um, Ministries. And so I'm a little off today. Um, my co-host was not able to attend because um, Corn Ministries had to do laundry. So um, I guess they forgot about the timing and whatnot. And I was going to cancel, but then I decided to just move forward and go ahead and go with the show. Um, so we are going to be focusing in today on holes in the Bible, um, the divine roles that they played, um, and how important are how important and useful are whores, aka prostitutes, ladies of the night, whatever you want to call them. But how important are those women in our society and the roles that they play? And so one of the women of the night that I want to talk about today is going to be Rahab. So Rahab, she basically was a hoe in Jericho. Obviously, she must have been well-established because she was right there at the gate of the city. So she had prime real estate location. Um, and she was well-known because the king had no issues with asking her questions when he needed to. But basically what happened was two spies from the children of Israel slid over to Jericho. Jericho was a part of the promised land, and this was going to be one of the first cities they were going to take over. And so people had already been hearing about the children of Israel and when they had left Egypt. So that story of leaving Egypt and the river, parting the Red Sea, them crossing and all of that. And um, Pharaoh and his little chariot and all his little homeboys getting um, drowned in the Red Sea. So that scared everybody over there on the other side, which was the promised land of the Red Sea. So... Joshua, who was one of the first people, him and um, Joshua and Caleb went over to the promised land and sought it out, came back to tell, um, there was amongst a group of people that went and they were the only two that came back with a, a good report. Everybody else was scared of what they saw over there on the, in the promised land that was given to them. But Joshua and Caleb was like, shit, it's popping over there. It's money over there. It's food over there. Like, I don't know why they scared, but everything I seen was um, plenty of abundance. And sometimes you got to think about that too, because not everybody's going to have a positive viewpoint. When, it's when you're embarking on a new adventure, a new chapter in your life, and you might take people with you, or you might ask people for their viewpoint, don't be surprised when most of the viewpoints or most of the reports that you get back from that unknown path or that unknown place that you're trying to go to is negative and that there's only a couple of people that have something positive to say. You still want to listen to what they have, the negative reports. Go ahead and let them say what they have to say and take it with a grain of salt. But focus in on the positive people, the people that have something positive to say, because they're going to have more useful information for you to apply to your life. So anyway, Joshua is getting ready to move this generation over into the promised land. And, you know, he's taking over a new hood. So he sends two guys over there, like, go check it out. Go see what they got popping over there. So the two spies... They go over there to Jericho, and where do they go? They go to a hoe house. You'll see the word harlot, but they go to a hoe house, and that's where they post up at. They lodge there. They stay there. So they go to the hoe house. They sit up in the hoe house. They find out what's popping in the city, 
coming up out the whole house. And so word got back to the king of Jericho. And it was like, hey, it's some niggas from Israel that's over here. And they trying to see what's really going on. And, um, you know, they fuck with the God, like the living God. And, you know, their God fucked up the Pharaoh and fucked his whole army up. And, like, they here. That's all I can tell you is these niggas is here and they trying to see what we got popping. So the king of Jericho was like, okay, well, where these niggas at? So his folks was like, over there at Rahab's house. So he was like, well, okay, tell that bitch, come here. So in the meantime, motherfuckers come knocking on Rahab's door. Knock, knock. So Rahab like, you know, how can I help you? So they like, hey, so um, you got some niggas stand up over here or whatever, you know? And she was like, nah, I ain't got nobody stand here. Now some motherfuckers slid through this camp, trusting, yeah, some niggas came through and they left. They, they went out that way, you know what I'm saying? Go holla, go, go chase them down, see if you can find them. You might come across them, you know what I'm saying? But they went that way. So then she comes back in the house and she like, look, so I just sent the Kings niggas away. I told them that y'all went that way. And so y'all hide up here. And when the coast is clear, y'all can leave and go up out into the mountains, hide up in the mountains for a couple of days, and then go and do what you need to go tell Joshua what you need to tell him. Because look, I don't want no problems with y'all. We done already heard about y'all. So like everybody around this camp is scared of you niggas. Like we done already heard about how y'all fuck Pharaoh up and shit. We done already heard about this God that's with y'all and how this God like moves seas and moves waters and shit and like makes shit happen for y'all. We heard about the fucking um, plagues and all that crazy shit that was going on over there in Egypt. We don't got time for that shit. We ain't trying to have light in one spot and total darkness in the other. We're not trying to have a city full of flies. We're not trying to have a city full of dead damn frogs and shit. We're not trying to have a city where all of our firstborn sons die. So look, motherfuckers are scared of y'all. I just want you to cover my people. I ain't got no problem with helping y'all out. You know what I'm saying? Because I mean, shit ain't popping that hard here anyway. I'm trying to be on the winning side. So look, I'm going to let y'all out. I'm going to cover for y'all. But all I'm asking is return is hold my family down. When y'all come through and fuck shit up, just make sure that my people is okay. And they was like, okay, cool. You know what I'm saying? So this same red rope that you letting us slide down your window, because that's what they did. She had like this scarlet rope, whatever. And so she took this scarlet rope. So like I said, she stayed at the gates, at the gates of the city. So prime location. So she was able to let them niggas out. They slid down the wall using that rope, went on over to the mountains. They stayed up in the mountains for three days. That gave enough time for the king's people to search out the surrounding area, not find them, come back and say they couldn't find them, and the coast would be clear. So that's what happened. The spies go back. They highlight Joshua, tell Joshua what's popping. Joshua's like, okay, so... Thank you for the intel. I got what I need. And then he goes into his little prayer meditation mode or whatnot. And he ends up getting directions from God. So when Israel did come to get with Jericho and take over that city, um, basically God did the same thing again that he did with Egypt. Um, they had to pass the Jordan River. So he made the water stand still, let them cross the Jordan on dry ground and whatnot. Um, there's also the point in time where it would be kind of interesting because 
in that story, Joshua sends, under the direction of God, Joshua sends um, a representative of each one of the 12 tribes. He sends a rep from each of the 12 tribes. They all have to have a stone. And you'll find that um, in the um, Jewish community um, culture, the priests wear a breastplate. And that breastplate has 12 stones on it. And those 12 stones represent the 12 tribes of Israel. So with that, um, Joshua had 12 men, each representing one of the tribes of Israel, take a stone and put the stone um, in the place before the Ark of the Covenant of God, which was like this golden box, it's like this box still, like an, um, something you would carry. And it's like, you have to carry it on your shoulders. And it had the... Um, the little stones, the tablets of stones that Moses had written the word of God on. So boom. So that's the art. That's the importance of the Ark of Covenant. You'll that's like you'll find that throughout the Old Testament. They talk about it a lot. Um, the word of God, the Ark of the Covenant always goes before the people. And um, what's crazy is not everybody can handle the Ark of God. It's just the Levites, which are the priests. And um, that tribe, the Levite priest is the um the Levite tribe are the priests of the Jewish community and whatnot of the culture. So anyway, so when they crossed the Jordan, Joshua actually sent those 12 men before the ark. And in that place, in that midst of that, they put those 12 stones there and they're supposed to still be there to this day as a memorial for God ushering them into the promised land. And so they get over there, you know what I'm saying? And they have like all these different enemies. Now, um, Jericho is, those are Canaanites and those are peddlers. So it's the begging ass niggas that got to have you overcome first. You got to overcome the begging ass niggas in your life because um Canaanites, peddlers, they always got their hand out. They always looking for something. They always want something. And they're going to be the weakest. They're the most nagging and the weakest of your enemies. So kill them off first. Cut that, cut that shit off quickly. Cut them begging ass niggas up out your life. X them out because they ain't going to do nothing but continue to vex your soul. They're going to continue to have their hand out, continue begging, continue asking, continue, continually pleading for things. Okay, and it'll just get on your nerves. And they don't have anything to bring to the table. And so anyway, they get over there to Jericho and they spend a week over there. And so basically God tells him to have the priest with the covenant, with the Ark of the Covenant of God, along with the men of God, the men of war to circle the city. And so every day they go around the city and they're blasting these seven horns and basically letting the city know we coming for your shit um get your and that uh, god always gives you an opportunity to get your house in order whether because he his mercy reigns on the righteous and and, and the wicked every day so every day you have an opportunity if you're not walking in a righteous mode you have an opportunity to get your shit together so that you don't have fucked up shit happen to you it's whether or not you're tuned into those warnings so 
Jericho had six whole days of warnings because the Israelites surrounded them and circled them for six whole days. And then on the seventh day, at the seventh blow of the horn, the, all of the people of Israel were silent for those seven days. Keep your word. He was like, be quiet. Don't say nothing until I tell y'all to. When it's time for y'all to let something out your mouth, keep your mouth closed. When it's time for something to come out of your mouth, you're going to shout before we take over this city. At my, at, and I'll let you know. So at that time, on that seventh day, the seventh time that they circled the building, those seven priests with the seven horns blew those horns. And at that seventh blow of the horn, the people came out of their tents and they gave out a shout. That lets you know the power of your vocal cords and the power of unison. And when we come together and make on one word, one sound, one accord. So off of that one word, which this is where it gets kind of silly because off of that one word, off that one shout, he told them to shout. And when they shouted, the walls of Jericho fell down. When the walls of Jericho fell down, the people then ran into the city. And basically it was like, don't touch none of this shit. This shit is cursed. Kill all of the people except for the whole house. Now there's a whole name, Rahab. And Joshua had to go holler at his two partners and be like, hey, go to that bitch house. Let her know we, we, we about our word. Word is bond and bond is life. And so she did what we asked her to do. So like y'all agreed upon, whoever is in her house gets to live. Everything else is trash. So they killed everything. Babies, women, men elders, animals, everything had to go. Um, they knocked everything off and everything was of shit until like, then don't take nothing. There's no loot. There's no booty outside of gold, silver, all that, all that, all the precious metals, precious jewels, all that goes into the Lord's treasury. Praise the Lord. And so going back to Rahab, see people will knock holes down. And there was a point in time where I was out there hustling. Everybody, everybody I believe everybody in California um, has done some type of um, criminal activity. I don't give a fuck. We, we way, way, way past statutes of limitations. I believe everybody has done something against the law. I don't care how minor or how major it was to get over. Because in a capitalistic society like this, where we need money to function, you're going to do something. You're going to cut in a corner somewhere, somehow. So in my days of cutting corners, as a young girl, um, I found that prostitutes were my, were my greatest source of information. If I wanted to know who was moving what, who was doing what, who's running this hotel, who's got dope over here, who's doing this, hoes. Hoes have been the most trustworthy women and men in my life, not just female hoes. I'm talking about men hoes. It's men out there selling pussy and sucking dick too. So it, it hoes have always been more trustworthy, more loyal, and more down. They down to go at, without a problem. Feed them and clothe them. They know more than your local news station, though. 
They're going to give you the good, juicy, juicy, as the world turns events in your city. So a hose play a vital role in that you would you you would never understand how many lives have been saved behind a whore. You don't know um, how many children have been protected because of a whore. Now, mind you, they went to a, these these two men when they got to the city. The first place they went to was the whole house. Sometimes the people that are shunned, that are considered to be outcasts, those are the very people that will treat you the best. I know, quote unquote, different types of celebrities, whether they be in the entertainment or the sports arena. I know um, hood celebrities. And one thing I'll say is that The, the celebrities, the famous people that I that I know, it, it, I'm a step on toes and it is what it is. They ain't shit. They ain't loyal to shit. Um, and they don't know shit. They can't tell me about nothing that is of relevance. They can all they can tell me about is shit that don't matter. Celebrity gossip shit. And they're non-effectual in the community. They just want to be seen and worshipped. Um, however, hoes, hoes. There was a point in time where my car was broke down and I was like, fuck it. I'm supposed to save up some money and I'm just going to walk to work. It's not that far. So, and it wasn't, it was like a 20, 20 minute, 20, 25 minute walk, but I'm walking at 4.30 in the morning for a five o'clock shift. And I'm walking down Shaw from Blackstone and Shaw 20 minutes east. And it's like, um, so, of course, so the first thing I'm gonna hit, when I hit my corner, of my street, when I come up my street and hit the corner and walk probably five or six minutes, I'm at a truck stop because I'm right there at the Shaw 99. And I'm right there. And not, Freeway 99 is one of the major freeways in California. So I'm right there on Shaw 99. And the first couple, and you know, I, I'm not scared of anything. So I've been through too much in this lifetime for me to be fearful of anything walking in flesh any motherfucking thing. I don't care if you're human or animal, whatever species, there's nothing on this planet that gives me fear. And so, cause if I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die. I don't know what my day is, neither do you. So walking down the street, the first, th the first thing you, I come across is a hotel. <laughs> And because I'm there, right there at a freeway entrance. So it's like hotels. So I'm walking across these parking lots and it's truck stops. And you know what's at truck stops? Pussy. So pussy and bussy. So while I'm walking through here and making my way to my job location, um, you know, the first couple of days I had individuals looking at me 
trying to holler at me 4 30 in the morning but that's it goes down 24 7. so i wasn't you know i'm I know how to deal with it. So it's like, now nah, this ain't what you want. Keep a pushing partner. Now nah, I'm not for that. And so after a couple of days, um, a couple of individuals popped out from a couple of different locations on the, on the street. Um, one of them, she had been seeing me in the neighborhood because not only did, because she was living in one of the hotels there. So she would see me walk into the liquor store to get blunts and whatnot. So she was like, I've seen you around. I know you live around here. She was like, what are you doing out this late? And I was like, mama, it's early. That's It's not late. It's early. And I'm walking, I'm going to work. And she was like, you walking to work? I said, hell yeah, I got rent to pay and I got shit to do. I'm a single woman out here, so I got to make it happen. And I can't wait on nobody to do nothing for me. And she was like, hell yeah, I'm with that. She was like, I just want to make sure that you wasn't out here because she, before the gray hairs really started coming in, um, individuals would think I was a little bit younger than what I really am. And so I was, and at this time, this was like about nine years ago, so yeah, she thought I was a little bit younger. And I was like, nah, ma, you know what I'm saying? I'm out here going to work and I got to do what I got to do. And so she started walking with me every now and then. And I, this was like a three month ordeal. And so sometimes she would walk with me. Sometimes she wouldn't. It all depends on what she had going on, if she had a date or not. Um, once I hit that parking lot, if I didn't see her, then I knew she had was busy. If I and if she saw if she wasn't busy, she would see me before I would see her, and she would pop out and we go. We she'll walk with me to a, um to the train tracks, and then it's crazy because God set it up to where where she fell off. So once I get past the train tracks, there was um a lady that was living on the side of this one business um, off of Golden State um, Highway, right past the train tracks. And so she would camp out there um, at night. And so um, she was watching me in the darkness. And after about a week, she popped out on me. It was actually her and her dude. And so they started um, following me. And then after about a month, they had came up on a trailer, like a little camper trailer. And so they would, um, see me come in and I would hear their little dog because they had got them a little dog. And so they would, um, walk their dog and walk me to the rest of the way to my building. And so it wasn't a long trek. Like I said, it's like 20, 25 minutes, but it was just during the, along the way, the people that you would, that, other individuals would consider um, no good, wasteful, get away from me. I don't talk to them. Like, I really have an issue with people that think they're better than other individuals. Like, one time I somebody was around me and they had spilled some food, some food had got on them. Um, and they were like, oh my God, I'm going to smell like a worker. And I was like, wow. I'm not really that much around people like that, stuck up people like that. Um, I really haven't had to deal with up close and personal, like on a one-on-one -on -one basis, directly dealing with people that think they're better than other people. Um, 
And so that was kind of fucked up because, you know, maybe I was stinky a few days and I might be stinky later on today, depending on the need, because I didn't have a problem. I'd already washed my ass and got ready to go to work. So I didn't have a problem with giving a hug to a whore or to a homeless person because they don't always think and they're not always dirty. And even if they are, what you gave me was more than what I can pay you. So the things that I were able to provide them with, I shared with them. And when I got my car, I had no problem with pulling up on them. And so hoes and the homeless pay a vital role and those are the eyes and ears of the undercurrent of society. They see things, they know things, and you would be surprised the intel that you can get from them that could even help you making business decisions. They can expand your business idea. They can be security for you. Um, but intel and security is what I've always looked at hoes and homeless people for because they've always been hella cool. I mean, even if they fucking crazy and they out there spun the fuck out, they still better than Karen. and bougie ass Keisha. So Karen and Keisha, y'all can have them. I'll take the hoes and I'll take the homeless because they give you genuine um, humanity. They're genuine humans. They're authentic humans. And I think it's just the level of realness and authenticity that pulls me and gives me a heart for hoes because, you know, when I was selling dope and, you know, Sometimes sometimes men, when you're a woman and you women, we step into these men areas and we think we belong there because we've been sold this bullshit about you're equal to man. And that's a whole nother level that that's another sermon y'all not going to be ready for, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. But it's like when, when you get out there and I'm out here and men sometimes don't want to give you all of the game. They'll give you 85%, 75%. I'm talking about your man. And then if whatever, if you don't know something before he gives it to you to add on to what he's giving you, then you're going to have to learn the rest of that shit out there. And he, can't go, he ain't going to be able to give you 100% of the game because he don't know 100% of the game. So whatever information he gives you, you have to take that and incorporate it into what you're going to do. And so I found myself, um, when I started fucking with dope and hoes and setting up in hotels and stuff, um, it was like, you got to get, you know, you got to get you a runner. And so Ethel was my runner. She was my tester. Um, I'm good in chemistry. So Ethel you know, have been out there on the streets for a quarter of a century by the time I met her. 
Ethel had like 20 years on top of me. And so she basically taught me, she refined my game. The, what the chunks that I knew, she took it and she refined it. And at the, you know, at the time also, my parents were being, were going, had just divorced. And so I was grown, but I was also dealing with that because that, um, that break in my family caused a estrangement between me and my mother to where we didn't have um, any contact with each other for like 13 years. And so Ethel also became a foster mom. And that could also be a reason why I love hoes because Ethel recognized that I was young, I was intelligent, but I was in love and I was in love with the wrong man. And she would always tell me that I have attached myself to a family because I'm used to family, but that's not the right family for me. And hopefully I will learn before it gets too late. Um, and so I appreciated Ethel so much because, you know, one thing about hoes is they're awesome psychologists and counselors. So Ethel was my foster mom. Ethel was my foster mom. She was my big sis. Ethel was my tester. Ethel was my intel. Ethel was a mentor. Um, Ethel also was a, um, she was a networker. Ethel connected me to different hotel owners, a couple of key hotel owners that I needed to know. So Ethel also turned me on to a couple of her consistent Johns um, so that my clientele base was different where I didn't just have um, people on the corners that were trying, I, like, I can't, I ain't going to be out there on the corner selling dope. So I didn't really deal with that. I have functioning drug addicts, like high functioning drug addicts that had jobs and that like to do, um, binge out on crack and cocaine, mostly crack, like for a weekend. And so you'd be surprised how many of these men make six figures and above to where they can take care of their wife and their wife doesn't have to work. If she does work, then the money she makes is just her money. And she and he and she just took off a level of stress for him. And that's one thing women need to look at is when you do get with a man and he can financially take care of you and he wants to financially take care of you. Um, if he's cool with you getting a job that's your money. That's less stress. You know what I'm saying? So like, I'll call her Pee Wee. Pee Wee, um, her husband had not very nice income and they lived in a very nice home. And um, only reason why I know is because I had to drop her off a couple of times. Um, Pee Wee would leave for the weekend every four to six weeks. And so that's why I loved Ethel because Ethel also, Ethel was like turning me on to women and men. So like hoes, they also have, like it all depends on, and it's different levels to hoes. You know what I'm saying? You got strung out hoes, you got emergency hoes, you got career hoes. And in that career hole, you can find bitches that's like 
skeezy. And so they down, whatever, whatever the money come, they fucking for whoever the money come from. Then you got some women that only fuck certain types of Johns. You know, they have a particular market that they go after. Capitalism offers several different markets. And within every type of market, there's a niche. So I don't give a fuck if you selling popcorn, PCs, or pussy. In this capitalistic society, you're going to have a niche. And Ethel helped me find my niche within the drug industry. And so another helpful position for hoes. So in conclusion, I want to say that you should always have a open heart for a hoe. Because as Rahab, and see, one thing about Rahab. So uh, let me get back to Rahab. Let me go to the Bible. Rahab, so when the jet when they came and they when the children of Israel came to Jericho and they got to and Joshua was told his two boys, hey, go get your girl. You know what I'm saying? And so when they went, like they told Rahab, whoever is in your house. And so that's why I brought Ethel up. Because with the whole house, the whole house is not always a bad house. And so associating hoes and associating a whore house with something negative, that's really fucked up because a whore house can be a sanctuary. A whore house can be a safe place. It all depends on your perception and sometimes what you got going on, but don't always look at a whole house as being the devil's den because the devil's den, y'all go there all the time. The church of Luciferian. Y'all just call it a whole bunch of different little sects. But it's a whole bunch of shit that be going on in these church houses that really be devilish. It, 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 it's more holes that will offer you a sanctified word than there are saved people. Praise the Lord. And so with that, so everybody that was in Rahab's house. So imagine the family members that thought that they were better than Rahab because they didn't sell pussy. Think about the cousins or sisters or friends that had husbands that thought they were better than Rahab because they had husbands and she was a hoe. So everybody that fucked with Rahab tough, because you, you already know it was, don't nothing change but time and weather. So the game is the same. So are the people. So you already know that it was motherfuckers that was not tried. When Rahab was like, check this out. Them Israelites is coming. Now, I got a level of protection. I need you to come over to my house. Be here with me. Whoever's here at my house, you're going to be safe. Trust me. I got you. And some people believed her and some people probably didn't. But whoever was with Rahab on that day, when them two cats showed back up, they took Rahab and everybody that was in her household and escorted them out of the bullshit to the outer camps of the Israelites. Now, Rahab ended up becoming, she ended up fucking with one of them Israelites because her grandson is Boaz. Boaz, you'll find him in Ruth. Boaz is the nigga that um, scooped up Ruth, you know what I'm saying? 
um, and Ruth ended up bearing um, Obed, who ended up being the lineage that David, King David came through, which is the lineage that Jesus came through. So Rahab ended up having some divine pussy just by having a heart for the men of God and looking out for them and recognizing God and recognizing the power of the one God. And sometimes bitches got to choose up. You know what I'm saying? And she chose up. Rahab knew that she was in the kingdom of some weak niggas, some weak begging ass niggas. She knew that it was some real niggas coming through. And she knew that they had some real power, some real divine power that they was working with. And she knew that the niggas that was coming at her was a better cut than the niggas that she was already associated with. So she cut ties with the niggas that she was form that she was associated with and chose up on these new niggas. And sometimes it'd be like that too. You know what I'm saying? And so um don't be don't be afraid to let go of something that's not serving you. Don't be afraid of cutting people, places, or things loose that don't edify you. It's okay to let that shit go and just be like, I'm going to go with this better option. Because had Rahab said, you know what? I ain't fucking with y'all. And had she turned those men over... There's no telling what would have happened with her and her family. And, but in choosing a better option, Rahab put herself in a position to where her womb produced a, pro, a prolific seed. So it's okay to choose up and choose better because the thing that you was associated to in the past it might be a dead thing. And so with that, I want to thank you guys. Um, this is a short service. Um, I really didn't have my co-host today. And I don't know if my co-host is going to be able to even be a part of this regularly. Pretty put some positive energy out for Pastor Ant. Um and we want to hope that he feels better. Maybe he'll join us Wednesday night for Bible study, um, which we will be continuing our horrors in the Bible series. And so we'll be moving forward. Um, we're going to talk about Bathsheba next because that wench, she a hot mess. Bathsheba is a bougie hoe. So Rahab, Rahab is um, a basic hoe, you know what I'm saying? Because she wasn't balling like Bathsheba. Now Bathsheba, Bathsheba's a bougie hoe. And so and, and Bathsheba is a manipulating hoe. And so we'll get into Bathsheba next. But I want to thank you guys for stopping by the Trap House Tabernacle. Praise the Lord. All glory be to God. Um, and we'll see you again. <laughs>